there are some very real tangible trends in modern American maternity care that anyone who's being honest is going to acknowledge. One is known to many as the cascade of interventions. Kind of think of it as the snowball effect. Once it starts, it's really hard to stop. So today I want to talk to you about it in a little bit different format than usual to help you understand why you want to avoid it, if at all possible. Let's jump in. Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth if we work with his design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for his glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. Before we get started, as I often do, I want to read to you a review that Brittany left for me over on Apple Podcasts. I love your reviews. I read every single one of them. And if you haven't left me one yet, would you be so sweet as to push pause real quick on this podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a five-star written review. That helps me more than you will ever understand to know what you like, what maybe you don't like, if anything, and it helps me to reach more mamas just like you who could use this information. So Brittany says, going into pregnancy, I had no idea that I had so many options and choices surrounding my pregnancy and care. Although planned, I was scared and nervous about the things to come and had heard all the horror stories of giving birth. Thankfully, I have learned so much about my body and pregnancy while listening to this podcast, and I feel informed enough to make educated decisions about my health care. I also feel empowered enough to go through with a natural birth after researching all my options, and I feel confident. That went a little bit further, but unfortunately, it cut off, so I'm going to cut it off as well because I don't know what she said next, but I just want to say that this is the reason I do this podcast, is to help you to have the confidence to know that you can do this and that you were made to do this. So I love hearing this. This gives me life. This gives me reason to keep on recording and keeping keep on putting out content for you guys, and I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to leave me that awesome review, Brittany. And again, if you haven't yet, please head over and do that now before you forget, because we all know mama brain, we forget stuff, right? <laughs> so don't wait. Okay. If you haven't already, I want you to go grab some water or maybe red raspberry leaf tea or whatever your favorite mama beverage is, because it is story time. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of a birth. Now, this story is not you, and this story is not designed to invoke fear in you. You know I'm not about fear, but today's podcast is designed to prevent the story from becoming you. The story is designed to show you a very, very typical birth story to illustrate a point that you're going to understand by the end. And when I say a very, very typical birth story, this happens every day in America, every day. 
So you can laugh if you want to at my mama name, but just to prove to you that this wasn't an actual person, I'm calling her Mama Mia. Yes, Mama Mia. (laughs) Giggle with me. Just humor me. So Mama Mia was 39 weeks and five days pregnant. She was hoping to have a natural birth, but she was doubting that she could do it. Of course, she had heard all the bad stories, just like most of you had, about how all the mamas that wanted to do it, but they just couldn't. And she's so she's figuring that she's probably just going to be the next one that can't do it. She was planning a hospital birth, but she was hoping to avoid interventions if possible. So she had a regular appointment, and during that appointment, she had an ultrasound because her doc made everyone get an, get an ultrasound at every appointment. The baby showed a little bit big on the ultrasound, and the fluid level was looking a little bit low. Her doctor, who was going on vacation next week, said it would be a good idea to think about inducing just in case. Now, she was past 39 weeks, as I mentioned, so the baby was likely ready. And Mama Mia trusted her doctor, and she decided she was tired of being pregnant. So, sure, why not? Let's have a baby. It's exciting, right? So the doctor scheduled her for an induction and told her to come into the hospital at midnight to get started. Meanwhile, the doc did a routine cervical check, which if you want to learn more about cervical checks, you can go back and listen to episode 16. During that cervical check, she found that Mama Mia was two centimeters dilated, 50% effaced, and the baby was floating. That just basically means she wasn't down in the pelvis yet. While she was checking her, she stripped her membranes without really saying what she was doing. All Mama Mia knew was that it was more painful than every other check she'd ever had. So she went home, she started getting things together, and as the night wound down, she started trying to rest to prepare for what was coming, but she started having some contractions that were about every three or four minutes, and they were pretty strong, pretty uncomfortable. Because of that, she wasn't able to get a nap at all before it was time to go to the hospital, so she went ahead and got up and grabbed a quick shower and then headed to the hospital. Once she got there, she immediately got put into a bed and put on the monitor. They told her that the strip looked great, whatever that means, because she didn't know what they were talking about. By now, she wasn't really feeling all that many contractions anymore, but there were some still showing on the monitor. They went ahead and started an IV and had her sign approximately 100 consent forms. They told her that they'd be soon to be back soon to get started. She didn't know really what they were going to start, but sure. Okay. So they come in, and they check her, and she is still two centimeters, and they say they're going to put in something called Cytotec. So they, while they're checking her, their hand's kind of in there for a while, and they put this Cytotec thing in. They don't really tell her what it is. They just do it. So over the next few hours, the contractions pick up and they start to seem almost constant. The nurses start coming in and they're saying that some she's contracting a little bit too much and they need to do something called a bolus and something about the baby not really liking the contractions and the baby's heart rate had dropped some. So they moved her to her right side, then they flipped her to her left side, then back to her right side again, then they put oxygen on her and she got pretty scared with all this commotion. But eventually, things calmed down, and the contractions seemed to stop altogether. So by now, it's like 5 a.m. They check her again before shift change, and she's still 2 centimeters, but they say now she's 70% of face, but the baby's still pretty high. They decide to start pit before shift change. They don't really tell her what pit is, but they go ahead and start it. And after that pit starts, she starts noticing these contractions again. 
they come in about every 30 minutes or so and they push around, push buttons on the IV machine and increase this pit that again, they haven't really even explained to her what it is. And before she, before you know it, she's having contractions that are very painful and they're mostly in her back. She's starting to wonder if she's going to be able to make it without pain medicine because it's already hurting this bad. She's only two centimeters. How in the world is she going to continue? After a few more hours, the pain in her back is unbearable. So they come in and they check her again, and now she's three to four centimeters, 80% effaced, and minus two station, which means the baby's come down some. That's good. But the nurse is worried that she may be, be something called sunny side up. Again, she didn't really tell her what that means, but... I don't know, sunny side? Is that good? That's what she's thinking, but she's not really sure. It's past lunchtime now. She's hungry. She knows she has forever to go. They keep coming in increasing pit, but now they start to say that they're concerned that they're not picking up the baby and contractions on the monitor so well, so they want to break her water and put in something called internal monitors. She doesn't really know what that means again, but she decides if that's what's best for the baby, then of course she's going to do it. So they break her water and a ton of fluid comes out on the bed. And they say something about there being a little bit of green in it, but she doesn't really think that's probably a big deal. With the better reading, now that they have the internal monitors in, the nurses start to increase the pit more consistently. And by 3 p.m., she's still 3 to 4 centimeters, but she's 80% effaced and minus 2 station. But now the contractions are unbearable. She asks him for an epidural, and they are glad to consent to give her what she's asked for. So they come in, anesthesia does their thing and places the epidural. And once it's placed, she notices that she still has some back pain with the contractions, but they're not as bad as before. Her contractions also seem like they've slowed down. So they start to increase the pit more often to try to get things back on track. By 6 o'clock this the nurses seem to be taking notice of the baby's heart rate a little bit more. They say it's lost something called variability, and they're starting to get concerned that the baby isn't tolerating labor all that well. At 7 p.m., they check her again, and the check is 4 centimeters, 90% effaced, and minus 2, and they're starting to call her something called OP. They don't tell her what it is, but they just say OP. So around 7.30, her trusted doc, finally comes in to see her and she tells her she's concerned about what's going on. Despite something she called an adequate contraction pattern, which she didn't know what that meant either, her cervix isn't changing much and the baby isn't coming down. The baby's showing signs that she's really just not tolerating labor well and with her with her heart rate and there's something called meconium in her fluid that they noticed when her water broke. They also say that mom's temp has gone up a little bit, so Doc is afraid that maybe she's getting something called choreo, some kind of an infection. She doesn't really know, but sounds bad. She Doc is just really afraid that this baby isn't going to come out vaginally, and she thinks it would probably be a good idea to do a C-section. Mama Mia is scared of saying no, because what if she says no and something bad happens? She's exhausted, and she's in a tremendous amount of pain now in her back because this epidural just will not touch that back pain, and she just wants it over with. So she decides to consent to the C-section while the doctor is still there. She doesn't take time to herself, no time with just her and her husband. She just says, sure, let's do this. 
So she ends up with a C-section around 9 p.m. and she gives birth to a baby girl who is 8 pounds, 2 ounces. But her baby seems to be having a little bit of trouble transitioning to life outside the womb. And they say that they need to take her to the neonatal ICU to be observed. She gets brought back to postpartum, to the room, in pain, and with no baby to nurse. She's sad and in a daze trying to figure out what just happened. So what went wrong here? Can you think back and figure out for yourself what you think went wrong? What you have heard in this story is an illustration that is very common that I have walked with many mamas through this exact same scenario. It is called the classic cascade of interventions. And it happens to a majority of moms on every labor floor in America. It doesn't always lead to a C-section, but the pattern is fairly consistent. It all starts with that very first yes to a routine, unnecessary, that's key, intervention. Anything that's routine and anything that's unnecessary tends to put you in this snowball. One thing leads to the next thing, leads to the next thing, leads to the next thing. In this case, she agreed to an induction based off of fear. Her doctor was going on vacation. She didn't want to have to deal with a different doctor that she didn't know. She was told that her ultrasound showed a big baby and that she didn't have enough fluid. But remember when they broke her water and all that water gushed onto the bed? Remember that? So she really didn't have low fluid. And her baby was just eight pounds. That's a normal size baby. Third trimester ultrasounds, especially at term, are notoriously inaccurate and can be off as much as one to two pounds. I also like an illustration I heard many years ago about a fluid measurement at term. And I may have told you this in a different episode. I can't remember for sure. I'm going to tell you again. Anyway, imagine a bathtub that is clear, like, you know, clear plexiglass or something like that. And imagine that you are sitting on the bottom of the tub and that someone is underneath the tub looking up at you. It's your bottom side, right? Your bottom is on the, the tub floor and your legs are stretched out and the tub is full of water. That person who is looking at your, at you from below might think there's no water in that bathtub. But really, there's a lot of water. It's just above you. A third trimester ultrasound can be just like this because the measurements are all going to be based on baby's positioning. And you can't really see all that well all the different pockets of fluid because the baby is filling up that space so fully that you can't really get a good view of the fluid. In this case, yet again, there. The mama has been told, Mama Mia was told that her fluid was low and yet fluid gushed when she was checked. I can't tell you how many people I have taken care of who were induced for supposed low fluid that our shoes got wet when we broke our water. We won't even go into the fact that we shouldn't have been breaking water. It's a whole different topic for a whole different day. But point being, when it did break, there was a lot of water. So that was yet another thing that wasn't real. It was fear-based and it led to decisions that maybe should not have been made. All right. So she, they checked her in the office. 
her cervix and they stripped her membranes. Neither of those things was needed because she wasn't in labor yet. And a cervical check when you're not in labor doesn't tell you much of anything. The stripping her membranes irritated her cervix and started creating contractions that were not going to change her cervix because she was not in labor yet again. And so they caused her to be exhausted on admission to start this induction process. That's going to be a long process anyway. So she was already behind the curve when she walked through the doors. Her baby wasn't engaged, which means the baby was still kind of floating up in the fluid. Her head had not come down into the pelvis in the correct position yet. So when those contractions started happening, that head wasn't in the right place. When she was admitted, she was placed in a bed, as all moms are. She sat reclined, you know, kind of think about a recliner, how, you know, your back is leaned back just a little bit. So that baby who wasn't engaged now was starting to be contracted down. And gravity tends to pull that baby's back towards mama's back because that's the heaviest part of the baby and she's floating in fluid. And so she ended up what's called sunny side up, which is not the way you want a baby to come out because that causes the most back labor, as you've probably heard the term called, back pain because of the wrong position of the baby's head. Those contractions, which wouldn't have otherwise been happening if they weren't created by either the stripping of the membranes or then the side attack and then the Pitocin, none of those contractions would have ever been happening at this point. And yet now we're squeezing a baby down that hadn't found its proper way out yet and we're wedging that baby in to a bad position. The side attack really shouldn't have ever been given because she was already contracting too much when she came into the hospital because of the stripping of the membranes back in the office. So... That set her up for all those extra contractions, which then caused the baby's heart rate to have the patterns that concerned everybody and made them all come in and give the bolus and the position changes and all those things, which then stopped the contractions, but then they had to make them start back later. So now, as we mentioned, the baby's in the wrong position. She's having back labor and the contractions are getting stronger, but the monitor isn't picking them up anymore very well. So they break her water and put internal monitors in. Well, when you break water, you open up the risk for infection. So now you've got the higher risk for infection with them, which then plays out later. Those internal monitors allow them to measure the contractions more accurately. So now they can increase that Pitocin even more because they've got a better read on how strong the contractions actually are. So now they're hurting worse and they just keep cranking that pit up. So she decides to get that epidural, even though she really initially didn't want it. She's so exhausted and in so much pain, she decides to get the epidural, but that then slows down her labor since she's really not in active labor at all. Active labor, remember, and I don't know if we've talked about this yet in any of the episodes, but active labor means that your cervix is changing and you're making progress towards delivery. She's not changing significantly. She's only changed the whole time she was in there. She only changed about two centimeters. She's not in active labor yet. You're starting to see the pattern, though. They create contractions, but then it's too many, so they have to stop the contractions. But then they have to get the contractions going again because this is an induction, and it's just back and forth and back and forth. All these abnormally strong contractions are impacting the baby's ability to keep her heart rate normal, and she starts showing signs that she's not going to be able to take much more because we've done all of this to her so early before she's ready to deal with it. Plus... Remember, it's getting close to bedtime. It's about 9 o'clock or a little bit before when the doc comes in. 
She really doesn't want to have to come back in around midnight and have to do this section. She's pretty sure it's going to be needed anyway, so why not just do it right now? So she talks her into this section by telling her about the infections she's starting to show signs of and that her cervix isn't changing, so it doesn't look like baby's going to come down and come out this way since labor is going to need to go on a lot longer and she's already showing signs that she's not going to be able to tolerate it. But see, here's the thing. The baby wasn't big, the fluid wasn't low, and mom was not ready for labor. Her baby was likely a little less than 39 and 5 since estimated gestational ages are really just guest dates. The stress of too much labor too early caused her to become exhausted just like mama, caused the baby to become exhausted just like mama was. Had labor come naturally, it would have followed a very different, more gradual pattern she would have likely tolerated it well, both mama and baby. It likely wouldn't have come for another week or two, which is normal. Every single bit of this, all the way down to the neonatal ICU admission, could have likely been avoided just by saying no to that first question of induction, or by talking about it longer and considering and trying some alternatives. Mama, this podcast is designed to educate you so that you don't end up in this cycle of fear-based decision-making. My entire purpose is to help you put your faith in God and in knowing that He knows best through the information that I share here and through your faith in Him. You can face decisions with facts, not fear. You can ask good questions and not be backed into a corner. If you're serious about having a solid plan to do all you can to make sure this doesn't end up being you, that this story doesn't end up being your story, I want you to know that I created that Midwife and Me Power Hour just for you. I will walk with you through your specific situation to formulate a plan so that you will be prepared for what comes. You can put your faith back over your fear. Get rid of that fear. Put it where it belongs just by having a plan. And the link to schedule a session is down in the show notes below if that is you. This story does not have to be you. Unnecessary inductions are done every day in this country. And when you consent to an induction that is not medically indicated before your body is ready to be in labor you greatly increase your odds for a C-section. I want you to listen to this podcast, not just this episode, but all the episodes. I want you to educate yourself. Know the truth, and the truth can be found. Understand the beautiful design for birth that God has created and know that man's so-called wisdom is never a match for God's. Be prepared to know what situations truly indicate a need for an induction and which do not. Don't be so quick to say yes when there's time to think it through. Ask good questions. Don't accept weak answers. Be prepared to push back and press for more information if you're not satisfied. A good provider is going to welcome this, knowing that you are the kind of mama who is going to truly do what's best for her baby. You have the right to truly informed consent, which means that they provide you with all the risks and all the benefits and all the alternatives of a treatment or a decision 
before you decide to consent. Don't let them skip that part when there is time to go through them, which there usually is if they'll just do it. You were made to do this, mama. You hear me? You were made for this. Remember that God made you for this, and you do not have to walk with fear. You can have confidence, and you can have faith. Now, if this all seems like just a little bit too much, if it all seems like just a huge pill to swallow, and you're not quite sure how you're going to navigate this whole thing without falling into this cascade of interventions, I would be honored to help you. I have set up some special windows of time when I sit down and talk to you and coach you through making sure you are prepared to have your birth God's way. I'm going to work with you one-on-one for your specific situation with your specific details to help you make sure that you're able to make the best choices leading up to your birth so you can be confident and that you can carry God's peace, that beautiful peace that passes all understanding through this most beautiful time in your life. I want you to enjoy every second. I don't want you to dread it. I want you to be able to walk through it with your head held high and with joy in your heart, knowing that you're doing things God's way and he's going to walk right next to you through this whole process. So let me help you do that. All you need to do is just go to bit.ly slash midwife power hour. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash midwife power hour to grab your slot. I can't wait to sit down and help you and to see that weight lift up off your shoulders, knowing that you got this, Mama, that you're going to be able to walk through this the way that you want to and the way that God intended you to. So don't waste any more time. There's no need to walk through another minute of this day worried about how you're going to do this. That's what I'm here for. I want to help you. That's what I love. That's what I thrive on. I just love helping mamas know that they can do what God designed them to do. So grab your slot, bit.ly slash midwife power hour, and be sure if you haven't already to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss our conversation right back here next week. I'll see you then. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.